You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome in to part seven, our final part of our series entitled The Church, Lessons from the Book of Acts. Last week, we talked about being people who have persistent worship despite our present sufferings. We talked about Paul and Silas and this incredible interaction that they have uh, or experience that they have in prison. And if you haven't heard that one, uh, you can go back and listen to episode six of this series. We also have about a hundred other other episodes that you can listen to if you head back into the archive. But this week, we're going to wrap up this series with a look into a farewell between Paul and the church in Ephesus. So, So Paul, the apostle, has been planting these churches. He's been pastoring these churches. He's been installing leaders in these churches. And he calls forth the elders of the church in Ephesus. And he has some things to say to them. And so we're going to be in Acts chapter 20. And I've said this a couple times throughout the series is we've just kind of scratched the surface of the book of Acts. There's so much uh, good content. There's so many lessons to be learned. And I just want to encourage you, go read the book of Acts for yourself. Uh, dig in, look at scripture, maybe look at some commentaries or some devotionals that go through it. Don't let this podcast or, or college age movement or uh absolutely not me be the only person teaching you through the book of Acts. There's there's way too much uh, to be garnered than to just listen to one person. But Acts chapter 20 is we're going to wrap up this is where we're going to wrap up the series. So Acts 20 uh, verses 18 through 19 is where we're going to start. It says when they arrived, this is the elders, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. So Paul's pointing out his humility, which (laughs) it might not seem very humble, but if you look at the life of Paul, one of his main attributes, one of his most prominent uh, characteristics would be humility, that he is always someone who is pointing everything back towards Jesus. And as someone who had gained position in in the Jewish culture, in Jewish faith, he was a Pharisee. He was well-educated. He had worked his way up. He had been given responsibilities. He had had achieved a significant um, status in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish religion. And then now he's he's Paul. He's the Apostle Paul. He's planting churches. There are so many early Christians who are looking at the Apostle Paul to give them wisdom and direction, and he does that. And so he has he had position in one season of his life, and now he has position in this season of his life that he has found himself um, working his way up, so to speak, in culture, no matter what he's been doing. And yet he is not somebody who is full of pride. He is somebody who is full of humility. He points everything back to Jesus. He never saw himself as being the important factor. He always saw himself as being an instrument. It was always about Jesus and the way that Jesus was using him and using his life. And I think looking at Paul's life leads us to a question. That question would be this. Who are we highlighting? Who are we highlighting? Whether intentionally or unintentionally, our lives will either be about us or they will be about something more than us. It's important that we understand this concept is that we can live our lives in the aim of highlighting ourselves and gaining recognition, or we can live our lives in the pursuit of something bigger. And we can look at that on like an earthly level and say like, hey, I'm trying to highlight organizations or I'm trying to organize or, or highlight uh, different people or whatever it may be like we're, we're, we're not taking all the recognition, but we are we are passing it along and, and we're living for something greater than ourselves. There, there was, there's a collective good that we're living for. Or we become people who are prideful and we say, no, like my main aim in life is to see myself 
work up the cultural ladder, to work up the ladder of recognition. So who are we highlighting? I think it's important that we also understand that we all have a platform and you might not think that you have a platform, but you absolutely do. Every single one of us has some kind of platform. You don't need to have a mic in your hand or have a podcast or, or be a pastor or be a leader or be the CEO or whatever it may be to have a platform to speak into people's lives. Your platform could be your family. It could be your friend groups. It could be school. It could be work. It could be social media. It could be anything. There's, there's a plethora of different platforms that you have and that I have, and we have to ask ourselves, what are we using them for? What are we using our platforms for? Are we using it to highlight Jesus? Are we using it to highlight things that are eternal? Or are we using it to highlight ourselves and just try to get people to recognize how amazing we are? Because here's the thing, recognition, it, it'll come. Like recognition will come. There are going to be so many different situations in our life where recognition will come. And sometimes it's going to be these little spurts of recognition that people are going to to recognize us or, or place recognition upon us. Or there are going to be seasons where it comes in waves. Like you might be, do something amazing at work or in a group or like who knows what recognition is going to look like in your life. But it's going to come in spurts and it's going to come in waves. And we have to ask ourselves a question. Am I, am I going to wear it? Am I going to wear the recognition or am I going to share it? And I, am I going to be somebody who as recognition is placed upon my shoulders, am I going to, am I going to wrap it around me and say like, yes, I love this. I love people thinking that I'm great. And our humanity would, would cause us to want that, right? Like we love recognition. We love when people point us out. And some of us are like a little bit uncomfortable, but internally we're like, that's amazing. Like we might not love being the center of attention, but like it's always feels good to be recognized for something that we've done or something that we are. But we have to ask ourselves, am I going to wear that? Is that going to be eternally or perpetually like on my shoulders or Am I going to pass that along? Am I going to share it? Am I going to point to other people? Because nobody really gets recognition for themselves. Like anything that you accomplish usually has something to do with other people. And even if in the moment it was you who did it, people had been building into your life. They had been walking through your life with you or leading you or mentoring you or whatever it may be. Or they taught you things. Like There, there are so many different aspects to this. So are we going to be people who wear our recognition or are we going to be people who share it? And most importantly... Are we going to be people who point others back to Jesus? That are we going to recognize how amazing we are? Or are we going to recognize how amazing Jesus is and how he has used our lives to, to put us in positions to gain recognition? There are going to be so many opportunities in our lives to have pride creep in. But if we become people who live our lives in a way that turned recognition of us into people recognizing Jesus in us, I think that we'd be in a really good place. Let me say that again. I think we need to become people who turn recognition of us into people recognizing Jesus in us. The people would, they would see our gifts and our talents and the, and the way that we've lived our lives. And they'd, they'd be like, wow, like, that's amazing. But they wouldn't stop there. They wouldn't be like, wow, how talented. But the people would be so aware of Jesus in our lives. They'd be like, wow, look what Jesus is doing through her. Look what Jesus is doing through him. Look how Jesus has equipped him and gifted him and, and all those different things. Would we be people who are not living under the goal that we want people to recognize us, but that they, we want people to recognize Jesus in us. A second question that I think that this story would ask of us today is, are we expecting a life free of test and trial? Are we expecting a life free of test and trial? As I look at the lives of Paul and other heroes of faith in scripture, I am always convicted by my own frustration when trials present themselves. 
I was driving down the road the other other day, and there was like a roadblock. There had been a, a small accident, and it it caused me ten minutes of having to be in traffic longer than I would have normally. And I was like, man, life is hard, and it like threw me off for a couple hours. And that's really really pathetic. Like that's not a real test. That's not a real trial. And and we're going to come up against like real tests and trials. Every one of us has relational or or vocational or spiritual trials and tests and tribulations. But I don't know how many of us have have severe testing. Like Paul says, severe testing and plots being used against him. I don't think that I'm important enough for anybody to be plotting against me. If I'd be kind of honored, honestly, if somebody was plotting against me, that somebody would pay me enough attention uh, to, to plot against me. And, and my my trials and my tests aren't being beat within an inch of my life and being put in prison like Paul is so many different times. It doesn't mean, mean that they're insignificant, but it gives me perspective to say, okay, like, am, am I expecting a comfortable life? Am I expecting something like a life free of test? And trial when when comparatively to what I see in so many people in scripture and people around the world, like my tests and trials are speed bumps. And I hope that I can have the perspective to look at them that way and not not let them steer me away from Jesus or living the life that he's called me to live, that that I would stand firm in who I have been called to be. And I'm I'm guessing that your hope would be the same. I hope that we look at stories like Paul's and, and others around us and, and we shift and see that trial and testing is a chance to be refined and learn something rather than be frustrated, refined instead of frustrated. I, I wonder if we could ask the question, what can I learn from this instead of why is this happening to me? That we would get away from like, why is this happening to me? And say like, what can I learn from this? And I know that that can come off as super cheesy and it's way easier said than done. But if we could change our perspective, that would change everything that we would be people who are like, okay, like I can't really control whether or not this is happening to me. So I'm going to learn something from this. I am dead set on learning something from this situation. So I don't get in this situation again so that I can see and identify what led to this moment so that I can never do it again. Or if it's something that you can't avoid being in again, it's like, okay, but I can learn how to deal with it better. I can learn how to help others through it. I can learn from this. So instead of just asking the question, why is this happening to me? That we would be people who ask, what can I learn from this. Acts chapter 20 verses 20 through 23 go on to say, uh, Paul speaking to the elders still, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now compelled by the spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. So Paul was always willing to be attuned to what God was asking him to do. He uses the phrase compelled by the spirit to go to Jerusalem. God was stirring in him and was compelling him towards Jerusalem. So another question, what are you being compelled towards? What am I being compelled towards? What are we being compelled towards? Something that is compelling is something that evokes interest, attention, or admiration in a powerfully irresistible way. So what is, what's been on your heart? What has Jesus been impressing on you that he wants you to be doing? Who is somebody that's been impressed upon you? Who is somebody that you are being compelled towards? Who is somebody that God has been asking you to, to grab a cup of coffee with or throw out a text or, or, or start a conversation or a dialogue with? Who are you being compelled towards? What are you being compelled towards? Maybe... There are many of you who are listening to this, and, and I would probably wrap myself into this more often than not. That's like, I don't really know. Like, I know 
I know a percentage of what Jesus is compelling me towards. I know a, a sliver of what or who Jesus is asking me to interact with, but I don't know or don't have perfect clarity. And, and that's okay because Paul says right in this, like, I, I don't know what's going to happen to me there. I know Jerusalem. That's what I know. I know Jerusalem. I know that's where Jesus is asking me to go, but I don't really know what else to expect. So a follow-up question would be, are we willing to be compelled without perfect clarity? Can we be compelled without clarity? Can we move towards someone or something without needing to know the exact outcome? Because if we are willing to take steps toward people or steps towards what God is calling us, Jesus will be faithful. You see, this is the most important thing. If you could take anything away today, it would be this. You are not supposed to just be obedient to the calling. It is need, it needs to be the willingness to be obedient to he who is calling more than the calling itself. Right? This is a theme throughout the book of Acts, but throughout all of scripture, that we would be people who are obedient to Jesus, not the calling. If you grew up in church, man, what are you called to is a question that people ask all the time. It's kind of like a, a secular question that we all have heard. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, but in the church, it's like, well, what do you feel like your calling is? It's like, I don't know. I don't even know what, if, what a calling necessarily is. So how would I know what I'm called to? Then we, we get wrapped up in the, this mind game where it's like, okay, what is the calling, the calling, the calling? And, and we need to be people who are committed to the caller more than we are to the calling. That Jesus would be at the forefront of our mind and we would say, hey, I know that as long as I'm being faithful to Jesus, I'm being faithful to the calling. And that there are going to be unique things that he calls me to. And I'll find that out, but I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my eyes set on Jesus. We aren't always going to have perfect clarity on what we are supposed to be doing, but we do always have perfect clarity on who we are supposed to be following. Not perfect clarity on what we're supposed to be doing, but always perfect clarity on who we're supposed to be following. See, Paul understood this. And then, and then I love this. Paul just throws in, really all I know is that prison and hardship are waiting for me. The Holy Spirit has told me that there is prison and hardship waiting for me wherever I go. Dude was hardcore. I think for us, it's just an amazing reminder that we, we are looking for our lives to be eternally impactful more than we are temporarily comfortable. Eternally impactful, not temporarily comfortable. Let's be people who are willing to take hardship full on straight in the face as long as it leads to people knowing the love of Jesus. Hardship is welcome. We like we will go through whatever we need to go through. I, I hope that we have this mentality and our humanity gets in the way and fear gets in the way and it's stuff to work on. And if you don't feel this way, that's OK, because I don't feel like this way all the time either. But I pray that we would become people that take hardship full on right in the face and say, no matter what the hardship, no matter what the test, no matter what the trial, no matter what the plot against me, no matter what, I am willing to step into it as long as people know Jesus. In fact, that's exactly what Paul says in verse 24. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Finish the race, complete the task, finish the race, complete the task. And while every single one of us is going to have unique things that we are all called to, we are all called to the same thing as Paul, testifying to the good news of God's grace. Testifying to the good news of God's grace. We get to tell people about what Jesus has done in history, but, but we also get to tell people about what Jesus has done in our own lives. Yes, Jesus changed everything, but he's also changed 
my life specifically in these ways. And those are going to be some of the most impactful stories. I have a buddy who's who's in ministry in the Northwest. He, he spent time in Portland and and uh, he, he always talked about like he came to know Jesus and, and I never really thought that he would be somebody who who came to know Jesus, but he does find Jesus. And now he's this incredible pastor and, and he was preaching these fire sermons and like he's like, I get it. Like I know how to communicate all these different things. And he's talking to one of the guys who who came to know the Lord through his ministry. And he's like, hey, like what was like the thing that I said? What was the sermon that led you to Jesus? And he's like, oh, I didn't I don't remember the sermons that you preach. I just know that, that you have spoken about Jesus. You have been authentic. You have told us your story, and Jesus has been apparent through that story. That's why I wanted to follow Jesus is because Jesus was very, very evident in your story. And I think that's such a good reminder for us to understand that, that we don't have to be the most theologically sound or know every verse backwards and forwards. Like, should we, or, or, or would that be ideal? Yes, like, study your Bible, know theology, like, be, be somebody who gets into apologetics and, and, and talk about all of the, the amazing things that scripture has to offer, but also understand how impactful your story is. It's going to be the greatest sermon that you ever preach. And it's going to be something that, that, that people are going to be so drawn towards is because your story is amazing and stories captivate people. They want to know how Jesus has worked in our lives. So we're going to move, jump ahead. Verse 28 of Acts chapter 20, the last verse we're going to look at this week, it says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I think that it could be really easy for us to take this verse and just say, well, that was intended for the elders of the church. And that's not me. I'm a pastor. Uh, Being a young pastor in my early 30s, it's easy for me to be like, well, the elders are like the old heads. They're the people who have been a part of the church for decades and decades and decades and decades. Those are the people who are supposed to be overseeing the church. I, as a pastor, who have been called to be a shepherd of the flock, still have a hard time. And I want to pass off my responsibilities. And I want to encourage you not to pass off your responsibilities either. I think the elders of churches, I think that the people who are ahead of us, the generations that are ahead of us, absolutely have this responsibility. But I don't want to to hand this responsibility to a different group of people. I think that we take this head on and understand that we are overseers of the church. So how can we take this verse and use it as a blueprint on the calling for people of faith, just people of faith in general in today's church? And the first one would be to just follow Paul's advice, to watch over our own life. First and foremost, to keep a close eye on our own life and really do some reflection on what we are doing. Despite what some people may say, it isn't selfish to get yourself right before you try to get others right. It's hard to help others people find health when you haven't found it yourself. So watch over your own life. In one way, make sure that, that you're taking the, the plank out of your own eye before you po- point at any the speck of dust in another person's eye, right? That's scriptural. But also as we're looking over our lives that we would understand, like, we need to get healthy. Like, we can't help people find water if we're thirsty, like, because we haven't found it yet. So so we need to, to, to find the source that is Jesus and drink living water and then say, okay, I know, I know exactly what to say. And I need to, to watch over my own life before I try to make anybody else healthy because it's hard to feed people when you're hungry. Now, I'm not saying that you have to wait until you have it all together, because if you wait until you have it all together, then nobody's going to be speaking ever because we're all broken and messy. But what I am saying is that being a part of the body of Christ allows us to divide and conquer. Like each one of us has areas of strength and each one of us has areas of weakness. And when we partner well, we can lead and love strategically, that we can lead out of our strengths and we can be led in our weaknesses. And if a, a community of believers is willing to do that, we will find ourselves with a really 
healthy community. The second thing is watch over the lives of others. As Paul is talking to the church elders, he uses the term overseers. And I want to be really careful to not negate my responsibility as a pastor. I'm not trying to hand off my calling. But what I want you to know is that I couldn't possibly oversee the flock by myself. Like even for college age, I am one pastor and there are dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people who come to college age every single week. And <laughs> even if we look at it, like it's our church faith chapel, like there are thousands of people who come here every single week and there it's like 50 people on staff. Like there's no way that we can be the only ones who are overseeing the flock. This thing has to be a team effort. Pastor Nate always talks about this, that this isn't a cruise ship. You're not here just to, to enjoy yourself. This is a battleship. This is that you are going to be purposed, that if you are on the ship, you have purpose. There is something that you can do. You have gifts and the talents that, are, that can equip other people, that this is a team effort. I would love, love, love to be somebody who can meet with every single person that I'm a pastor of in this church every single week, but I just can't do it. I just can't do it. If you live in Billings, you probably see me at coffee shops. I love it's like my favorite part of my job is to have coffee with people, to, to check in, to see how life is going, but, but I'm only one man. We need to be a community of people who are checking in on each other because if everybody's willing to do that, if everybody has a collective goal of making sure that, that we're healthy but also that the people around us are healthy, we're going to find ourselves in really, really good places. We have to be people who walk towards each other while simultaneously inviting other people into the family of believers. That's the call for every single one of us. It's not unique to a pastor. Every single one of us are ministers of the gospel. Every single one of us are lovers of people. Every single one of us are called and equipped by Jesus. And maybe you're sitting there saying like, no, no leaders are the ones that should be connecting with others. Then then consider yourself a leader. I, I call you a leader right now. Okay, now you have no excuse. You're a leader. So leaders are called. You can come up with a thousand different reasons of why you're not a leader, but Jesus gave you an anointing the second that you said yes to him. Yes, Jesus picked up the cross with the intention of you being fully forgiven, but he also picked up the cross with the intention of you seeing of seeing you become fully available. You and I would be people who are available to the call on our lives from Jesus, who he's wanting us to talk to and what he's wanting us to do. Good leadership is something that flows from a life lived, not just knowledge learned. So live your life, live it well, and bring others along with you. Lead and be led. Hold both those things in high priority. Lead where you can lead. Be led where you need to be led. That is how we find health. And I promise to be the best shepherd that I can possibly be. That I can possibly be. I will be the best pastor that I can possibly be. I'm human, a human being who is broken and fallible just as much as you are, if not more. And just understand that, that I'm going to do everything that I can. But I need you. I need you. We need you to promise that you will look out for each other too. That we are all in this together. I want to end with two questions this week. If you're in a space where you can maybe close your eyes and and take a moment to take some deep breaths. If you're if you're driving, then don't close your eyes, please. But I want to ask these two questions. Number one, what could you walk towards this week that Jesus has been asking you to do? What could you walk towards? What has Jesus been asking you to do? And secondly, who could you walk towards this week? Who is Jesus asking you to walk towards? And if every single week we can be people who take space to say, what is Jesus asking me to do this week? And who is Jesus asking me to walk towards this week? I think that we're going to find ourselves in a really healthy community, that we are going to have people speaking into our lives and we're going to have the opportunity to speak into others' lives and that we're going to collectively be able to do incredible things for the kingdom of God. Let's be people who walk towards what Jesus is asking us to do and who Jesus is asking us to love. 
Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.